would ask you to turn with me in your Bibles to some passages of Scripture. This is this is uh, this is as awkward as I felt preaching to this congregation probably since we began here. But I wanted to read three passages that will convey some different thoughts to us. The first one is found in Mark chapter 7. The second in John chapter 14. And then the third one uh, is not there, but I will tell you what it is at the time. In Mark chapter 7, Jesus says this in verse 14. And uh, hopefully you'll catch the, the intent. My Bible has a little heading to this paragraph saying the heart of man. After Jesus called the crowd to him again, he began saying to them, listen to me, all of you, and understand. There's nothing outside the man which can defile him if it goes into him. But the things which proceed out of the man are what defile the man. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. When he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples questioned him about the parable. And Jesus said to them, Are you so lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him, because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach, and is eliminated? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he was saying, that which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, threat of thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. And then in John chapter 14, uh, well uh, known passage, Jesus says this, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know the way where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And then he, uh, later in this chapter, in verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. And then at the end of, uh, you can just listen to this, this is found at the end of Matthew chapter 11. Where Jesus says in verse 27, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone 
to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. <coughs> we'll conclude our reading at that point. There's way too much, as I've been thinking about reading about, studying about the heart, but there's way too much to cover in the sermon. I'm going to try to do the best I can and summarize things which have been important to me as I've thought about these things, and I hope will be to you. First of all, just some brief uh, factoids or whatever about the Bible and the heart. Um, the, the word translated heart in Hebrew in the Old Testament and Greek in the New Testament occurs hundreds upon hundreds of times in the Old Testament. Um, well over a thousand. Uh, I, I didn't count them all. I really uh, got so crisscrossed because uh, the concordances, there's so many different roots of the same root word in Hebrew that are translated heart, but uh, there, there are just so many references. For example, we read a, a passage from Proverbs chapter 14, a portion of that chapter today. How many times was the word heart in there? Because what was interesting to me is that uh, there are, I, I didn't count them specifically, but the book of Proverbs is full of the Hebrew word heart. And, and, and there, I believe there were three references uh, in the passage that was read this morning. I will make reference to a couple of them at the close of the sermon today. Uh, it was a little easier going to my New Testament where we have a word for heart. Anybody know what the Greek word is? All of you do. You just don't maybe know that you do. Cardia. Okay. Can you think of any English word that comes from cardia? My surgeon was a cardiac surgeon. He was a cardia surgeon. And uh, cardiology is uh, the whole uh, medicinal uh, discipline that deals with matters of the heart. Uh, but there are 158 references to cardia in the New Testament. Uh, 27 of them are in the Gospels. The book of Acts has uh, quite a number, of, and uh, over 50 in the epistles. Uh, so if you want to do your own personal study, start with the New Testament. It will be a lot shorter for you to do that. And what you'll find is that there is total agreement between uh, the New Testament and the Old Testament as it speaks about the heart, because the writers of the New Testament, uh, the Lord of glory, uh, all are from a Hebrew background. And so they will um, reflect uh, well the teaching of the Old Testament. Did you know that the Bible says that God has a heart? Now, we understand God is spirit, uh, and yet the Bible, uh, it doesn't specifically, there's not a proof text that says uh, God has a heart, but uh, it talks about the heart. The first, any idea of the first chapter in the Bible where we have the word heart? It's not in Genesis 1. Uh, as far as I could tell, unless with all those multiple roots I missed one, it's found in Genesis chapter 6, um, as God is contemplating uh, the coming of the flood and uh, ready to instruct uh, Noah to build an ark. 
Uh, in verse 5 of that sixth chapter, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart, that is man's heart, sinful man's heart, was only evil continually. So that's the first reference. But in the very next verse, it says that the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Um, I put some other references uh, where it talks about the idea that God has a heart. We are made in the image of God, and, and uh, that should be something that then would lead us to have some particular interest in these things. And I'd like to just spend a few minutes uh, summarizing a little bit about the heart of man and what the scriptures say, and woman, using man generically here. Uh, those of us who have been created in God's image, uh, God uh, instructs us in his word that uh, motivations uh, of his come from his heart, and so it is uh, that which he has uh, created in us as well. And uh, first thing I'd like to say, and if you've been at Salt and Light for, uh, since we started 21 years ago, roughly, uh, you've heard me say this more than once, if not. Here's what I'm going to say, that uh, uh, there is a difference between how the Jews of the Old Testament viewed uh, man and how the Greek thought, which has so dominated Western civilization, thinks about these things. And for the Jew, that which defines the individual is the heart, whereas in the, in the Greek world it was more the mind, the brain that would do that. And uh, that is a very important uh, distinction, and it also helps us, uh, as we study our Bibles, to realize that more often than not, in fact, the Bible very rarely talks about the heart as a vessel or an organ of the body that uh, is designed to pump blood through veins and, return, and receive blood back from the body through, no, pump it through arteries, uh, receive it back through veins, I'm discombobulated, remember, um, the Bible really doesn't talk much about that, and we, we have to just imagine how man kind of came to understand all these things. I, probably one of the things that was most significant in my heart surgery after it was over, and then I, I actually was brave enough to watch a video on YouTube of uh, somebody else having this done to them uh, after my surgery, but one of the most amazing things was how, 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 did doctors and everybody else figure out that they could do to me uh, what they did and essentially uh, restore me to a great measure of, of health in terms of um, whether or not I'm going to have a heart attack or not. Uh, I, I'm confident I am not, although I do carry these little pills in my pocket every day with me, even when I come to church. Uh, but. But just the, the, the amazing ability that God give, has given to man, made in his own image, to, to figure out how to do these great things in medicine. And we're praying that the Lord will continue to do that in the lives of, of many that we uh, loved ones that we're praying for right now. And, and, and we'll continue to pray for uh, Evan, for, for our, um, our granddaughter Alexa, uh, others that we pray for in our prayer time today. But... Uh, the Hebrew conception, which is embraced by the apostles of the New Testament as well, is that it's all about the heart. Did you notice when Jesus in, in Mark 11, or Mark 7, 
is uh, speaking what he says in verse 21. For from within, out of the heart of man, proceed, and look at the list that's there, evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these things come out of the heart. And that's really what defines the individual. Uh, the, uh, the wicked person is defined by uh, all of these things and that wickedness, unrighteousness, uh, deeds that Jesus says will not allow anyone to enter into the kingdom of heaven are associated with the heart rather than with uh, uh, the mind. First uh, Samuel 16, 7, all of you know what that verse says. Uh, it was not said about David, but it was uh, ultimately said in regards to David when Samuel comes to Bethlehem to find and anoint uh, the one who would become the second king of Israel after King Saul. Uh, he comes into Jesse's household, and Jesse, you remember what Jesse did? He lined up his sons all in, I think, order uh, in terms of uh, probably the tallest to the shortest or the oldest to the youngest. And it says, how about him? And then um, after he looked at Eliab, uh, Samuel thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord corrected Samuel and said to him, do not look at his appearance or at the heart of his stature because I have rejected him. For God does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's uh, a reference to David, and do you remember, and you have to get this from, from 1 Samuel 13, uh, chapter, verse 14, from Acts chapter 7, I think verse 46, Stephen talks about it again in Acts chapter 13, verse 12. You put that all together and you come up with the phrase that, King David was a man after God's own heart. And so uh, that reference certainly had an application specifically to David, but it, it really becomes important for all of us that God doesn't choose any of us for anything particularly uh, grand or grandiose or, or how smart we are, how good-looking we are, um, any, how talented we are, but uh, it's all a matter of the heart, uh, and that is what is important. In Solomon's high priestly prayer, we have that in First uh, Kings chapter eight. That's a just a passage that struck me as I was uh, looking at these things. Uh, but uh, it taught Solomon as he prays says, "And as we pray to you, we will pray out of the." Needs of our heart because you are the God who knows the heart and will answer our prayers. And so in the Bible, with that Hebrew conception, the heart ultimately is the controlling part of all of us. And again, I'm not talking about the heart that pumps blood, although it's very important. You can't live without your heart functioning either as you can't live without your lungs functioning as well. But our thoughts... Uh, our fears, our confidences, the good that we do as well as the evil, our natures and our practices are all uh, ultimately governed by what 
is in our heart, what is in our very most inner being, what is essentially who each of us as individuals are. And the Bible says we can wrap up who you are in this word, heart. And so we need to be concerned about it because going on to Roman numerals, oh, I'll stop for just a minute. Uh, having said that, your brain is important. Your mind is important. And what you'll find if you study even the 158 New Testament references, what you'll find if you study these things is that there is a link always between the heart and the brain. And uh, But the heart often does the things that we think the brain does. The heart thinks, the heart perceives, the heart does uh, all kinds of other things. But And there are many verses you'll find that speak of the heart and the mind both together. And so... Uh, let's not throw our brains out. Uh, one of the reasons I bring that up is uh, an indictment that I have toward myself, but also toward uh, us as Reformed Christians, is that sometimes we become really, uh, really honed in on the brain, how much, how good our theology is, how smart we are, uh, how well we can sort all of these things out and, and discern the very will of God. And sometimes we do that to the expense of our hearts. And we, we will not at the last great day be, um, be judged on the content of our minds, but we will be judged on the content of our hearts. Your eternal life and future depends on your heart then. That is why this is a matter of the heart. Uh, we have a verdict of God, and I've just put some references that you can look at about those living in the fallen world. We already read from Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, where God simply said, I'm done with mankind because the intent of their hearts is evil, completely, essentially. Uh, he says the same thing in uh, as the flood, the judgment of the flood comes. I'll just skim these with you. In 821... Uh, after the flood ended, the Lord smelled the soothing aroma in verse 21, and the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth, and I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. And then he makes a covenant promise there, uh, which is also in indicating that he is going to deal with this heart matter as well. Uh, Psalm 14, I... I I, there were just so many heart psalms that I did pick that one, but the fool is saying in his heart, uh, there is no God. Uh, the heart of fallen man is uh, far from God. Jesus talked about it in the text that we read in Mark 7 as well. And at the heart of the matter of the heart and of these things is uh, the truth of sin that we sent the time that Adam and Eve, uh, we are sinners in need of salvation. And uh, until we find that gracious salvation from God, uh, even the best things of our hearts aren't good enough to merit favor with uh, the perfect and wonderful and gracious God who created us and calls us to his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, one of my biggest struggles with my own siblings uh, after I came to faith when I was in college and uh, ended up becoming a, a pastor. Uh, one of the discussions that often happened was all of these things about how heartless God is if he would ever cast anybody into the pits of hell. And uh, 
I think we've all dealt with that, but we we just need to understand this reality that uh, uh, from Genesis 6, verse 6, the, the sin of mankind grieved our holy God to the point of judgment, but also, as he had already promised back in chapter 3 of Genesis, to the point of uh, saying that he would fix this through the coming of the seed of the woman. So as I speak to you about your heart, where is it? Where is your heart today? In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew, uh, in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, Jesus talks about the heart in this way. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So uh, the question I'm asking here is, where is your treasure? Where is your heart? Is there anything that you value more than a relationship with uh, the God with whom you will spend eternity if you are in Christ or not? Or is there something else that is deflecting you from these things? And if if there is, I would say with Jesus, and we don't know how whether some people think he was very literal, others think maybe uh, not so much, but if there's anything that causes you to stumble, cut it off, pluck it out, put it aside, because it is hindering your heart from serving your God. What is your heart made of? In Ezekiel, we have a, a prophetic uh, chapter about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in the distant future from that time. And uh, one of the facets of the new covenant that Jesus would usher in was that uh, God would uh, give to his people hearts of flesh. Uh, you can look at Second Corinthians 3 as well. Is your heart clean? Sermon on the Mount starts, Blessed are the pure in heart. And there's a lot of, in the Beatitudes, there's a lot of different fruits of the blessings that we have. But what is specifically said of blessed are the pure of heart? What is said about them? They will see God. Without that pure heart made right by Christ, you will not see God. Is your heart clean? That's what a pure heart is. Psalm 51 speaks of that particularly. When David is asking the Lord to give to him a broken and contrite heart and to clean his heart, where is your heart leading you as a person? It might be easy to say, well, obviously I'm a Christian, I believe these things, but when you go out to work, when you go out to school, when you go out to the supermarket, when you go out to the ballpark, what is your heart saying about you as you interact with the world around you? And what is written on it? One of the promises of the new covenant uh, given to us in Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34, uh, quoted for us in Hebrews chapter 8, 
reminds us that uh, for those who belong to Jesus Christ, who have that new heart that he has given to us, the law of God will be written on their hearts. It will no longer, as it was in the Old Testament, be written on tablets of stone, but it will be written on our very hearts. And once that happens, we cannot help but be led and directed in our lives and controlled by our hearts. So in closing these things, first of all, if you are not a Christian, there's nothing more important than I can preach to you today than to say to you that you need a new heart. You need your heart to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit as he points you to the Lord Jesus Christ who came into the world to save you by taking your penalty upon himself and nailing it to a cross that you might have everlasting life. If you're a Christian, you understand what I'm talking about. If you're not, please understand what I'm talking about. You need a new heart, and that new heart starts at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. Nowhere else. I picked John 14, verses 1 through 6, because Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. But I also remind you of what it says in verse 6. I am the way, Jesus speaking, and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me through me, through faith in me. And if you are a Christian, you need to take care of your heart. And that's probably the greatest uh, lesson that I've learned since January 15th, uh, that I need to do a better job of doing that uh, in, my, in my physical body. Um, but it reminds us all of the need to do the same in our very souls. Uh, we need to be heart healthy in our Christian lives. And I was wondering what's the best way very quickly to tell you how to do that. And I'm going to let Paul do that for you uh, as he speaks in Philippians chapter 4. In verse 4. Heart health. Let's think that way. Christian heart health. Your spiritual well-being. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Start there. Secondly, I did this a little earlier with all of my anxieties, and I have them. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Be people of prayer. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Remember the heart and mind, they go together. We need to be people who are listening to Jesus. One of the things... God said about Pharaoh, and I could have no time to talk about the hardening of Pharaoh's heart, except for on, on the side in today's message. But essentially, uh, the message uh, was that 
God came to Pharaoh. He sent Moses to Pharaoh and over and over and over again, let my people go. But Pharaoh would not listen. A soft heart is a heart that listens to the Lord who has redeemed us. Thirdly, the difference between headaches and heartaches is significant. I'm talking about headaches in a very uh, normal thing. Uh, when we talk about a headache uh, in a normal situation, we, we take an aspirin, take a Tylenol, uh, an Advil, uh, any of those kinds of things. But uh, when we talk about heartache, that takes it to a whole different level. A headache is something, normally there, there are extreme cases of those things. I used to have migraines. I think, Lord, I don't anymore. But, but uh, heartache goes to the very inner being of the soul. And we sang in, in Psalm 147 this morning, the Lord ministers to those who have heartaches, those who have broken hearts. And there's a lot of struggling hearts here today. There always is, but in particular, sometimes we feel that we're Lord, how much more are you going to put on uh, us, our, our family, on me as an individual, on our congregation? Uh, but he is the Lord. He is the, the Lord of the heart, and he will take care of us. And if you have heartaches, he is the first place you need to go. Finally, do not have a hard heart, and even believers need to Take heed to this. And I wasn't thinking about this much until I heard a sermon on, from uh, Mark last week about the disciples in the boat. And uh, for a second time in the boat and panicking and Jesus uh, shows up and he passes by them uh, to reveal the very glory of God to them. Did I get that right? Okay, good. Um, but yet uh, the sermon ended with kind of a verse where the disciples were still dealing with the hardened hearts. You're going to finish that, I hope, because I'm not sure what to say about uh, that. Other than, can that happen? And the answer is yes. And I'm speaking of a hardened heart, perhaps not as uh, against God and, and anti-God and, and uh, out of favor of God's kingdom, but even believers can deal with hardened heart syndrome. I, I guess I just made that up. Um, don't do that. So last week's sermon, and, and it's not Mary, but Mark 6.52, uh, talks about that, that, that even those who are close to the Lord can sometimes struggle with these things. Uh, the danger of hypocrisy, Jesus talks about it in Matthew 15, verses 7 through 9. He warns us that hypocrisy is a serious thing, and if we, we are... Uh, on the outward side, letting everybody think everything's great with our lives as Christians, but behind that mask, which is what a hypocrite is, an actor behind the mask, if we're something other than, than what people see, we have a heart problem that needs to be dealt with. Jesus gives us a warning about how we can have hard hearts even as believers, uh, in my view, in First John chapter 3. Uh, and this is a passage that is, you have a few of those passages. Whenever you read it, you you say, "Lord, why are you picking on me?" Uh, because it speaks to you. Well, the Apostle John says this: We know love by this 
that he, that is Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? And whatever our, our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from him. Because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. That's what a soft heart, a heart molded by God does. And whenever we sin, whenever we say no, whenever we turn our backs, where the Lord is saying, I am putting this opportunity before you to be a servant, whether it's handing out bulletins, uh, uh, during the church service, thank you, heart, ser- heart servants that did that for us. Uh, whatever it may be, we have to be careful. What, does, what do our lives, the things we think, the things we do, the things we say, say about our hearts? I've, I struggle with that. I'm thankful to God, though, that he uh, gave me an illustration in a very, very graphic way that he is the Lord of my heart, and that he will take care of me until he calls me home. The one thing uh, in closing about uh, my surgery that I, I want to testify to, because it was probably the greatest time of distress, physically speaking, in my life, was the one thing that never happened, and I don't know why, I think it's because I just, uh, I'm so discombobulated, I didn't have time, but um, was have concern about my life because everything that happened over and over again, the Lord demonstrated his hand in those things and his reminder uh, that he is with us always, even until the end of the age. I think I'm done. Uh, thanks be to God for our hearts. Now pay attention to them. They will lead you rightly as the Spirit of God leads them. It is a matter of the heart, and that is the heart of what really matters. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you and ask you to continue to work with us in our very hearts and souls and minds that we might truly love you with all of those things as the first great commandment says. But also we are reminded that the second commandment like it says we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so may this uh, reflection about you and about your heart that was grieved, but your heart that is merciful and gracious and has been opened up to us in your son Jesus Christ, that we will remember these things and that they will give us the strength that will help us in our times of need. Father, we thank you for your word of truth that uh, pierces to the very heart of the matter, to our very hearts and souls. We pray that you will continue to teach us, continue to lead us, and continue to help us to see the needs around us and be ready to step forward and in your name to minister to those needs. Father, we cry out to you from our very hearts and souls for Evan, for Alexa, for others that have been mentioned. Um, 
in our prayer time this morning. We cry out to you that you will heal our land from the COVID virus. We pray that you will vindicate your people uh, each day as we go forth and face persecutions and uh, belittlements and all the other things that sometimes come when we stand up for you. We pray that you will strengthen our hearts. And Jesus, we thank you that when you called and said you are humble of heart, that the Spirit of God made us into your sheep, that we might come and might find pasture and the peace which you are the Prince of. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.